Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Thank you, Father, for your word tonight. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in us, flowing in us, living in us, flowing out of us. Glory to God. Thank you for the revealer of truth, the great Holy Spirit who does take the word and bring it to our remembrance and bring revelation to us, enlightens our hearts and our minds so that we can go out and not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Go with me again over to Proverbs 29. Uh, been for several Wednesday nights on this theme uh, of the importance of, of our church vision and uh, saying some things and presenting some things that I've really never uh, presented before here uh, in the church. I've preached in other places. Uh, and, and I think there's some things about the local church and about belonging to a church a lot of times that people don't really uh, understand. It's not preached very often. But uh, we've gotten into the edge of this, and I want to explore a few more things. In Proverbs, Proverbs 29, verse number 18, it says, Where there is no revelation, now I'm reading from the New King James. The Older King James says, Where there is no uh, vision. This, this particular translation says, Where there is no revelation. Now the margin of the New King James says, Prophetic vision. So where there is no prophetic vision, no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. And uh, we've, we've been talking about how when God raises up a local church, he doesn't raise up churches just, just for uh, the multiplication of congregations. Uh, there's a, there is a reason for every local church that God... Now, there are a lot of local churches, I have to be honest with you, that I, it's hard for me to believe God was in the, the, uh, the start of those churches. There, there are, a lot of churches start out of some of the craziest motivations, and, uh, and it's just hard to see God's hand in that. But, but God does lead people to start churches and uh, form new churches and so forth, but he does that with a purpose in mind for that congregation. There's something he wants that congregation to, pr- to pursue that's, that's especially for them. It's not a truth that just belongs to them, but he, he has something that he wants them to bring to uh, the rest of the church world. You know, churches in a community should not be in competition with one another. They should complement one another. And some churches are strong in one area and another church is strong in a different area and that's by the design of God. It's supposed to be that way. Well, God raises up churches, but then he also uh, brings people into churches and joins them to local churches. And one thing that I think it's been uh, uh, not really uh, dealt with or not really uh, uncovered the way it should be, and that is that God has a plan for every individual believer's life, and a, and a, and a, a very significant part of God's plan for your life as an individual Christian, a, a significant part of that has to do with the church he joins you to. 
Now, I did a teaching years ago, and I, and, and I, and, uh, I did a teaching on, on life's priorities. And I had, if I remember right, I had five priorities. And for the life of me today, at one point I was going to get up and go to my uh, notes and, 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 and look at my notes and I got distracted and I, and I didn't do it. I can only remember four. And I don't remember what the other one was and I can't figure out where it fits in. But uh, I, I, I've taught from the word of God that, that our lives ought to have priorities. And there are five, but we'll just say four tonight. And there's a mystery out there. There's four priorities uh, that uh, should govern our lives. Our number one priority is God over everything else. He's the highest priority. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, God the things of God. So when people start getting other things in life, putting them above God, it might be your job. If you, if you exalt your job, though that's, an, that's a priority, it, it, can't, it can't be number one. When it becomes number one or number two, it's out of place. And, 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 it, and, and a person's life then suffers because of that. Number one priority is God. God's first over everything. The second priority in life is family. And the third priority is church, your local church. The reason it's that way is God put the God instituted the family before He did the church. The family is is God's uh, uh, foundation for the whole world, the whole society and creation of man. He created us to live in families, to 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 marry, to have children, to have families. Family is uh, has to be you, but you can't put your family ahead of God. And see, when, when everything is in its right priority, then they all supplement one another and add to one another. They don't dis, dis, distract from one another or detract from one another. But if you get them out of their order, then they start causing problems. Highest priority is God. Second priority is family. Sec, the third priority is your local church. Now, you, you, if you know anything about cults, Religious cults. One thing they always attack is family. They get that out of priority and they say, you know, if, if your family doesn't belong to this church or to this movement, then you have to cut them off. You can't have any fellowship with them. And, and if, they, if they're a member of that church or that organization and they leave, then you have to write them off. And that's, that is a classic cult mentality. My family... Uh, my, 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 my mother, my dad died when I was young, but my mother, my siblings, uh, all grown, you know, I've only got one left now, but, uh, my family, when, when I left the church of God, I used to belong to the church of God, the, the Cleveland, Tennessee church of God. When I left the church of God and went into a, a, a charismatic church, a word of faith church, they didn't understand that. They, I mean, they, it, it my mom cried you leaving the church? I said, Mom, I'm only leaving this church. I'm not leaving the church. They didn't understand it. My wife's family didn't understand it. They, don't, they didn't agree with us at all. But they're still family. I, and, and this idea that, that, uh, that 
If, you, if your family doesn't go to the church or believe like you, you believe, you cut them off. That's, that's wrong. I mean, we still had great fellowship with our family. We still, we didn't see them as often. We used to see them at church a lot. You know, we didn't see them at church anymore, but we still visited. We still went over. We still cared for one another. We say, you know, holidays, special events and all of that. Nothing changed in our family because God put family ahead of church. Amen. But then there's a will of God for your life where your church is concerned. And the fourth of these four, I don't remember what the other was, of these four, Oh, that's what I, okay, I have my, my uh, memory uh, supply here. She said I broke family down to wife and children. Spout, spout, not wife, spouse and children. Your spouse and your family comes before your children. Your spouse comes before your children. In God's order, your spouse you leave your father and mother and you don't cleave to your child, you cleave to your wife, to your husband. God put you together for life. You're gonna have children, but they're gonna go away and they're gonna have their own life. Amen. So, so it's, it's, it's God, spouse, children, church, work, job. Job is important. But it can't, be, it can't get out of its order. Can't get out of its order. And when people start, start uh, sacrificing the other areas and start exalting job and the demands of job and the things that go along with a career and all of that, you start getting that out of its place and exalting it above even the work of the church. It's out of order. Now, job's important. God created us to work. Tony Cook has a, a, has a book out entitled Your Work Matters. God is interested in our, he, he created us to work. We're supposed to have jobs. The Bible talks about having a job, working, being busy, uh, providing for your family. Well, that's a, that's a full-time job. And God expects us to do that. It has a place. But it has to, has to stay within the scope of things. Where our family was concerned, there were times that... It seemed that I put our, the church ahead of my family in that I made sacrifices where my family was concerned in order to follow God's will for the church. But when, when the whole family is involved, it's not a sacrifice anymore. I mean, it's a sacrifice in the sense that it's, it's hard. You give up some things. But my point is my family was on board with it. When we first uh, left uh, full-time employment, you know, in the secular world, I worked for the telephone company, had a really good job. My wife didn't have to work. Uh, she, we had two small children, and, and we could have, you know, it would have been nice to have more money, but we didn't have to. I, I, we did okay. And, uh, and we had good Christmases, and, and, and the kids got everything they wanted pretty much, and, you know, we, life was good. When we went into the ministry, uh, and left, you know, to, to, to pursue the, the call of God on my life. That's putting, you know, church and God. That was, that was hard on the family, but I got my little boys together. So I didn't explain everything to them, but I just told them, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go into this as a family. This is a great adventure. And when we started the church, you know, things were really tight. And, and I told my boys, they were uh, uh, 10 and 6. I said, listen. You know, you might not get everything 
this Christmas, next Christmas, it might be a little tighter than what you're accustomed to, but I said, you stay connected. Don't ever have a bad attitude about the church. Feel deprived because of the church. You stay with your dad, your mom. You trust God. God will put you on top one day. And he's done that. He's done that. And, and so even in their, you know, in their young immaturity, you know, the level that they could understand it, they were, they felt like the church was their church. You know, it was their ministry. And so I said that to say there are times when, when you make adjustments, but you have to bring people on board to do that. And so the, the five priorities, God, spouse, child, ch- uh, uh, family, Church and, and that was family, church and job. And um, so what role does the church have? You know, how important is it? God puts us, when you were born again, you were made a new creature in Christ. You became a new person. On the inside, the new birth is a, is a rebirth or a recreation of the inward man. And when you were born again, you were born into Christ. You became part of Christ. You were, you were joined to him. We are one with him in the spirit. But we're also, he also designs us to, and, and is designed for us to be in a local church, not just the universal church, but to belong to a local church. And we've looked at scriptures, we won't go over them tonight, but we've looked at scriptures that talk about the local church as the temple of God. Well, the universal church is the temple of God. But we've seen scriptures that talk about the local church the same way. The local church is the temple of God. Well, the the universal church is the body of Christ, but the local church is also the body of Christ. And we are members of one another. That great chapter in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul uh, starts talking about the church and he says, as the body has many members, talking about the, the physical body, as your physical body has many members... And though there are many members, there's still one body. He said, so also is Christ. But he was talking to the local church and he was illustrating how one member of the local church needs all the other members of the local church. So God puts us in a, in a church for, for a variety of reasons. And he gives the church a vision. There's a, there's a reason God calls us together. Well, if God joins you to a church, he joins you to that vision. And the vision of the church becomes your vision. And God expects you to contribute to that, to be a helper uh, in, in bringing that vision to pass. Not just to be an attendee, but to, be, to, be, to, 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 to take an active role in fulfilling that vision. And so this scripture in uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18, uh, I use it to talk about how what happens to people when they throw off the vision of a local church. Now, I'm not, I don't think that he was necessarily talking about the local church in Proverbs 29, 29, 18, but it applies. There's a good application here. He says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Well, if you apply this to to a local church, now we pointed out where it says cast off restraint. There's a number of different uh, translations that that say break loose, become unruly, run wild, become demoralized, uh, uncontrolled, without order. Uh, If you put all that together, 
I, put a, I made a paraphrase, I wrote a paraphrase of this verse, and it says, where there is no vision, no revelation of the plan and purpose of God for a people, they break loose, cast off restraint, and become unbridled. They become unruly and begin to run wild. They're uncontrolled and out of order, and having ceased to do anything productive for God, eventually become demoralized and perish. All of those things are true when people... Uh, separate themselves from a local church. The image that this, that this verse actually gives when you, when you look at the words and, and how the words are translated about running wild and breaking loose and, and uh, uh, becoming unruly and all of those things. When you, when you look at those words and the different translations of that, it brings to, to, your, uh, to your mind the idea of a, of a team of horses that have been harnessed together and they're pulling some kind of a load, a wagon or a cart or something, you know, and they, and they're, they have a purpose. They've been, they've been teamed together. Well, the local church is like that. We've been teamed together. God brought us together and he intends that all of us be part of the team and be contributors to the, in, on the team. Well, he said when people break loose from that, when they cast off that, uh, that harness, they cast off restraint. There is some restraint involved in serving in the local church. You can't just do your own thing. God doesn't, God didn't design us to do our own thing. He designed us to work together spiritually in a church to pursue a common vision. You know, it's hard to break in a bunch of wild horses. It takes time. But, but until they're broken, they're not any good, except to themselves. I mean, they can be perfectly happy themselves, but until a horse becomes part of a team, he'll never do anything great. God puts us in a local church so that we will amount to something and, and, have, uh, and, and, and have a goal and accomplish things in life that are greater than just what's important to us as individuals. Now, as I've made clear, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for your life outside the church. Certainly he does. Because remember, work is one of God's priorities. God has a, a plan for you outside this church. But so often, that's exalted and the church is almost like a second thought to a lot of people. And, uh, and, and that's, that's not really uh, what the Bible teaches. And so, you know, people uh, sometimes will... Uh, break loose from a, from a local church and they feel like a lot of times when, when they've uh, quit going to church, they suddenly feel like they've been liberated. And of course, people who do this are people who who've, they've gotten hurt somehow. Somebody's done something, said something, you know, they've had their feelings hurt. They feel like somebody, you know, people don't appreciate them or don't care for them or they have some kind of grievance and, or they can't get along with people and so they get angry and they leave church. Well, listen, <laughs> There are no perfect churches because they're full of imperfect people like me. Didn't say you, I said me. Churches are full of imperfect people and so there are no perfect churches and if you haven't been insulted, hurt, <laughs> criticized, been talked mean to, you just you just you haven't been around long enough. That's life. That's like, it, 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 I'm, not, I'm not condoning it, but it happens because we're people. And when people get their feelings hurt 
and separate themselves from the work of God, they're, they're not doing themselves a favor. Because God put us in a church family so that we would learn how to love, forgive, be gracious, extend mercy to one another. Amen? That's, that's, that's the, that's, you could argue that that's the most important part of our spiritual growth is learning how to walk in love and, and not be easily offended and know how to forgive. And, and like I said, if, if you stay in any local church long enough, you'll have somebody you'll need to forgive. At least you'll feel like you do. It may not be, it may not be based in reality, but you'll think it's real. And it, whether it's real or not, when you, whether they've really done anything, whether, whether your hurt is justified or not, it's still a spiritual milestone when you learn to forgive and put those things behind you. Amen? And so, so we talked about all of that. In Matthew chapter 9, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus talked about sheep being scattered when they don't have a shepherd. God designed the body of Christ, he, and, he, and he compared the body of Christ to sheep, and he compared himself as the, as the shepherd, the good, the great shepherd of the sheep, but then he also appointed pastors over churches, and pa- that word pastor, that English word pastor in the Bible comes directly from the word that's translated shepherd, or that is shepherd. The same word that was used of the shepherds out on the hillside, you know, that the angels appeared to when Jesus was born, those natural shepherds, it's the same word that is used and we translate it pastor because Jesus is the, is the uh, chief shepherd. Pastors are under shepherds. And God put f- church families together and gave them pastors. Pastors set the, the pace. Pastors get a vision from God. Pastors lead the congregation. And the congregation is to flow with that and, and follow the plan of God. Amen? Now, uh, you know, I, I talked about this, that there are many benefits to remaining harnessed to a, to a, a heavenly church vision like ours. Uh, when you when you're harnessed in with a good church, uh, there and and it is a harness. It is a harness because the 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 vision is the harness. It's not religion; it's the vision. God gives us a vision; we get up under that and run with it. And uh, and but but by being a part of that, you get the benefit of balanced nutrition, spiritual nutrition, protection, uh, spiritual grooming, care, and fellowship. Uh, you serve a greater purpose than your own uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, y- your lives will count for something greater than yourselves. If you'll spend your life working and serving in the local church, your life will matter. So, well, I've, my life matters anyway. Well, uh, apart from the local church, there are people who have the idea that the local church is, is valid and we should belong to a local church. I, I used to have this attitude and I didn't realize it. I didn't realize I had this un, unconscious concept that I, I saw the, the universal church as glorious and wonderful. That was the big plan of God. And I knew that God had a plan for my life. And somewhere in there, I had place a place for the church, and I, I believe the church was valid because it was obviously scriptural. You know, you should belong to a local church. But I saw the local church as more of 
to serve either the local church was, was designed to serve that big plan of the universal church in the world, you know, the reaching of the world, or I saw, I saw that and then I saw the local church's value in spiritual growth for me, you know, helping me to grow spiritually. I really didn't see it as having its own agenda and its own purpose, not just the big purpose and not just the purpose for me, but there was actually a calling on, on, on a local church. I didn't see that for a long time. And uh, when people don't see that, people will fall into this uh, attitude sometimes that they pray, they study, they read the Bible, they focus on being a good witness to people on the job or wherever they go. They're, they're always living for God uh, and they see their life as a ministry and the church is just here to help in that ministry. And that ministry is, is largely outside the church. You know, how they relate to their fellow man, uh, what kind of witness they are on the job, how many people they lead to the Lord. All of those things are important. But a, an individual who doesn't belong to a local church, you, you know people like this, they, you work with people like this, they're saved, they, they, you know, say they love the Lord and they work for the Lord. They might witness, they might do good things to, for people, you know, and, and try to be a good Christian, but they're not really plugged into a local church. The people they lead to the Lord will not find their way into a local church unless somebody else leads them. That person will not be responsible for bringing them into a church because they don't go to church, Right? Well, a person who gets born again like that, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know the Bible, doesn't know. He gets born again, now he's a Christian. His growth in the Lord is going to be terribly stunted because he's not even going to know as much as the person who led him to the Lord knew. He's going to, he's going to know far less about the things of God than that person knew and he's not going to grow. He's not going to be involved in a local church. Now, if he, if let's say, let's say he, it's a, a, a married woman, and somebody leads her to the Lord at, at work. Doesn't church is not part of the equation. They're not taught to go to church. She doesn't go to church. Her husband, if she's married, let's say she's a married woman. Woman, he won't be brought into a church. Their family won't ever go to church that Christian experience will likely die with that woman. Husbands and wives, a lot of times, you know, don't get along. And her testimony, you know, in Christ, sometimes uh, will not be as bright as it should be at home because husbands and wives just don't get along sometimes. You know, there's domestic issues. And so they won't see fully the picture they need to see in that spouse. Because, you know, it's just one person. And, and there, will be, there will appear to be conflicts of this, of this hypothetical woman. I didn't mean to stand in front of you, but this, this hypothetical. <laughs> I just realized I was looking right at her. This hypothetical woman, she, she's, been, she's had a genuine experience. Somebody led her to the Lord. But in her day-to-day -day life at home, she's not always going to look like a Christian. And so her testimony is going to be undercut, undermined. 
and it's going to be difficult for her to lead her husband to the Lord, then their children aren't going to come to Christ. Do you see where I'm going? Your, your witness to people, if you don't bring them into a church, is likely to die with that person. You'll, be, you'll carry very little fruit to heaven that way. Very little. When you stand before the Lord and, and, and an account is taken of your life, be very little lasting fruit. But if you're part of a local church and you get led to the Lord at work and that person that leads you to the Lord invites you to church and you start going to church and there's a change in your life and you and like when when Doug and Lori started first first started coming to church. Lori came, she was invited by somebody uh, who attended our church. She came by herself. Uh, they didn't have any children at the time. And I think she was saved in one of our services. I don't know that she was led to the Lord before. She was Catholic. She was invited to come. She, she got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Her backslidden husband wasn't going to church. She was Catholic. Doug was Baptist, right? Had been Baptist, not living for God, completely backslidden. He didn't want anything to do with church. But he came to a fellowship. So that's why we have fun times. It's one of the reasons. Get people like Doug. <laughs> Doug came to a church fellowship and, and then he came back again and he came back again and before you know it, he's seen the truth. Now you have a generational blessing. It's not just Doug and Lori. It's not just Tim and Drew. It's their marriages, their families, and it won't stop there. That kind of generational blessing is not available outside the local church. Impossible. There's no, there's no way it can happen. You say, well, I, you know, I'll just, I'll just live for God at home and I'll raise my children and they'll be, no, no, it won't work. I'm telling you, it won't work. It won't work. It, it happens in the church. Uh, you know, even if this unbridled horse, this, this, we're going back to this, this picture of this horse that's thrown off this bridle or this harness, even if he survives, let's just look at this natural horse, even if he survives the elements and the predators for a while, let's say he, he finds water and he finds a good field for pasture and there aren't a lot of lions in the neighborhood and, and uh, you know, he, he survives for a while. Okay. Problem is, the team that he left, they, they're still on a journey. And they're going to move further and further and further toward that destination. And he's not going with them. And over time, they'll get so far ahead of him that, that the difference in, in what he's experiencing and what they experience is like night and day. I've known of people over the years, because I've been pastoring the same church now for 36 years. There have been people who, now I'm, God can lead people to leave, okay? We're not a cult, you know, if you leave, God bless you, you know, whatever. If the Lord's leading you, you know. But there are people who should not have left. They left hurt, they left offended. They left because they c 
couldn't get their way or something. They, they allowed deception to get in somehow. Not, and I'm not saying everybody that leaves is deceived. I'm talking about the ones who are deceived. If a person, if God joins you to a church, then he intends for you to stay there. And he intends for you to overcome the things that you have to overcome to stay in that church. You'll have to overcome some things. The people, I look around and the people that have been in this church for 10, 20, 30 years, they've overcome some things. There have been some opportunities to leave. There have been some opportunities to throw in the towel to quit. But because they didn't do that, the church, they're still helping the church move towards its goal. Here's the thing I've noticed. Those people that left that shouldn't have left, they really have been left behind. I look at their lives over time. It's like they're in a spiritual time bubble. You know, our church, our vision is that he will make us ministers and witnesses of the things which we've seen and the things that he will yet reveal to us. Well, he's revealed a lot to us over the years. We're not the same church that we once were. We have the same core doctrine and we haven't changed in that way, but we know some things. We've experienced some things as church. We've, we've taken some, some ground, some territory in God and, and there's, some, there's an understanding of spiritual things and some depth that wasn't available 30 years ago. And I know some of those people and a, and a lot of times tragedy and things happen because they get out of the will of God. I'm not saying if you leave the church, you know, God's going to strike you dead. It's not God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you get out of where God places you, then things aren't going to work right for you. And the enemy is going to have a greater and greater and greater carnival in your life. And just ripping you off. And, and some terrible things have happened to people, you know, because of decisions that they made things they did. It wasn't a direct relationship, but it is, it is because it was the first step in getting out of the will of God. And so those people get left behind. I, I, I run into every now and then I run into somebody like that and just, you know, I love those people. I have the animosity toward them and I start talking to them and I think, oh, it feels like I'm talking to somebody from, you know, that hasn't grown doesn't know anything except what they once knew and, and what they knew, what we taught them. Sometimes they're living on that. You know, they're just living the best lives they have, but they've missed out on so much. It's, I tell you, it's a tragedy. <clears throat> you know, like I said, I've been pastoring for 36 years and over a little over 36 years now. And we have a third generation in our church right now. You know, there's there's... The generation, you know, Doug and me and, you know, a few of us older guys, you know. And we have, you know, that's first generation, our children. And now we have grandchildren. But, you know, uh, go with me to, you're in Proverbs, go over with me to Psalm 92. We looked at this scripture, uh, was it last week? Last week or two weeks? No, last week we were off because of the holidays. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, in Psalm 92, it says, verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall, shall flourish in the courts of our God. Well, we know the house of the Lord in the Old Testament. That's a reference to the temple. Well, the house of the Lord in the New Testament is the church. Isn't that right? 
The church is the, is the house of God. Well, the local church is the house of God. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Hold your place here and go over a couple of pages to Psalm 103. Look at verse number 15. As for man, now in my, in my Bible, I just put in a little parenthesis. He's talking about natural man, unsaved, just ordinary natural man. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. You know, uh, uh, wildflowers look nice for a while. You know, in the spring, how nice they look. Uh, but it doesn't last very long. In the natural, unless someone, you know, uh, really has a lot of, of uh, you know, wrong things going on in the life, people can flourish for a while without God. This is talking about natural man. His days are like grass as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. Well, that's terrible. That's really, that's really a tragedy. Millions and millions of people, they live their lives and, they, and, and their life is like nothing. Wind just blows everything away they ever accomplished and it never counted for anything. That's, that's, the, that's natural man. But look, look at verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. See, God intends the things that, that he does in our lives to pass on to future generations. Unlike the natural man, the wind passes over his life, it's gone, its place remembers it no more. No, we have, we have generational legacies that are being passed down. Uh, <clears throat> going back to Psalm 92, it says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. You know, this is talking about uh, in every area, of course, but spiritually. They'll continue to bear fruit in old age. They shall, they shall, notice it doesn't say they shall bear fruit in old age as if they hadn't already. They shall still bear fruit. In other words, the fruit they were bearing when they're young, they'll still bear in old age. Well, we all know that our bodies are, are mortal, that we're all getting older. Now, fortunately, I look better as I've gotten older. Just, that was just a joke, you know. <laughs> but we are getting older. As we get older, uh, we're not as active maybe. You know, take somebody in their, in their 80s and 90s, they're not going to be as involved in church. They can't do a lot of the things they used to do. Isn't that right? Being involved in certain departments, you know, it, it, it is, is things that you have to give up to a younger generation. But it says here they'll still be bearing fruit. In other words, the fruit they were bearing, they'll still be bearing it. How are they able to do that? They do that because they've passed that on. They've sown that into the, gener into the generation that follows them. Now, and I've told you many times because it, it's just in the last few years, the reason I've spoken about this maybe so many times 
recently is because it's just become so real to me recently in the, in the last few years. Uh, my grandparents, and I know I've told this story, but it's so important because it's happening now. We need to see that it's happening and the blessedness of it. My grandparents and their friends, their people their age, uh, my grandmother on my dad's side got saved when she was 19 years old in 1917. She got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. She didn't come from a church family, but her brothers got saved. They brought her to a church meeting. She got saved. They started going to these full gospel meetings and uh, out of that was born a church, a local church that I grew up in. And uh, I don't remember when my mother's side of the family came into it, but along about the same time, my, the Lanes, that was my mother's maiden name, they came to the same church. My dad and my mom met after World War II. They got married and... Back, let's go back to that to that uh, uh, first that first generation of that church. They built their lives around the church, and people people misunderstand it when I say that. They're, they think I'm saying you're not supposed to you know to have any life outside the church. You know, you know you're not let, supposed to have your kids in in any kind of uh, other activities. You know, church, 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 church. I'm not saying that, but I am saying. Church should be above those things and before those things. And it will cause your children to be blessed in ways that those other things will... Listen, when your kids are strung out on, on drugs, there is no saving power in sports. I like sports. I like to watch it. But, but th- that, that's not going to bring... They need, some, they need power in their life. They need the things of God in their life. That has to be first. And then God, God will grace you and give you a, ability to enjoy the other things in life. But our, my grandparents built on both sides of the family, built their lives around the church. Everything, their social life, their family life, everything was revolved around church just like it is for a lot of people here. Well, their children, my parents, did the same thing. And... The grandparents that I'm referring to, they actually lived in, in the same side of town and they, they actually bought homes and started their families in the same neighborhoods. And so their children grew up together and my parents, and, the, and the, I'm the third generation, my parents the second generation, I'm third generation. The, the young people, the children and young people that I grew up in in church, all of our parents used to, when they were kids, they lived next door to each other, across the fence from one another. And there was, there, everything was, was plowed back into the church. It created families with lasting relationships. And now I'm a third generation. My children are following in my footsteps but they're really following in my parents' footsteps. They're really following in my grandparents' footsteps, and so are my grandchildren. God intends for families to have that blessing. And, and when people get out of the will of God and separate themselves from that, and maybe even go to another church, but they're, you know, and if, you, if you're not going to go here, go somewhere, you know. 
But at some point, people have to settle down. And, and there are people who never really settle. They can't look at their church and say, you know, I've got this lineage and this, and this, and this uh, ancestry in this church and these generations. They can't say that. Their children don't grow up valuing the things of God like that previous generation did. They just don't because it wasn't important. The reason the things of church, church, church things are important to me is not because I'm a pastor. They were important to me before I was a pastor, before I even thought about pastoring because they were instilled in me. Amen. Faithfulness and consistency pay huge rewards over time. People like, let's, let's say Doug and Lori, other, I've just used them as examples. There are others here. You know, if I start naming a bunch of people, then somebody will get offended and name them. They stayed where they were planted. They overcame offense more times than once. They continued to serve different capacities. They continued to speak the word, practice the word before their children, day in, day out, year in, year out, decade after decade. That's where the blessing is. They continue to act on what they heard. That's why their children and their grandchildren after them, and, and, and as long as their children do the same thing, as long as Tim and Drew do the same thing, they'll have the same results with their children and their children after them. And uh, like I said, you know, when... when Un, you know, faithfulness and consistency pay huge results. But again, un, unfaithfulness and inconsistency have enduring results too. Some people just should never have left. Because there are times of testing. I'm going to get ahead of myself just a little bit. Uh, well, let me just say, let me go over to Galatians. Turn to Galatians 6. Galatians 6, very well-known scripture. Verse number 7 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I like the Phillips translation of that verse. It says, Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. It goes on to say, let us not grow tired of doing good, for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. See, Doug and Lori didn't throw in the towel. They had opportunities to throw in the towel over the years, and they didn't do it. Same thing with a lot of you others. They didn't throw in their towel. They didn't throw in their hand or the towel in times of testing, what people don't realize is the storms of life come to everybody. Jesus talked about the storms coming, you know, the waves and the wind and the rain and, you know, beating on that house and it didn't fall because it was founded on a rock. Times of testing come to everybody. Now, who would be, who would be so ungracious? Who would be so cold-hearted to say, if Sister Iris is going through a major attack of the enemy, something must be wrong with her. I mean, she's obviously disobeyed God. 
She's got this problem going on in her life. She's having problems with her children. She's having problems with her, her spouse. She's having financial, whatever, you know, whatever. Who would be so mean and wrong and ungodly to say, well, you know, I always thought that about her. I always thought there was something wrong with her. Look what's happening. You understand how that's terrible. What people don't understand is just like the storms of life come to everybody, the storms of church life come to every church. The storms of church life come to every church. But what happens when the storms of church life, when, when a church is under attack, the devil's working, you know what people do? I knew something was wrong with that church. People come to me. When, when these things have happened in our church over the years, there have been times when you had people, you know, back in 2007, 8, and 9, we lost about 25% of our congregation. Had people come to me, Pastor, what's wrong with our church? All these people are leaving. Something must be wrong. Well, I'm, I'm, well thank you <laughs> for your graciousness. Can you see how absurd that is? You see what I'm talking about? The storms of church life come. And it's no more an indication that things are wrong in the church than it is an indication there's something wrong with you when you're attacked by the devil. Amen. If you want, if you want grace extended to you, extend grace to your church. Amen. You know, some people, when, when things are not going good in their life, there are some people when, when they're under attack or they're not happy or they're just, things aren't going right, they immediately want to take it out on their church and blame the church. I suppose, you know, I wonder why this is many times and I suppose, you know, we teach a doctrine of victory. You know, you believe our doctrine, if you act on it, you're going to have victory in your life. You're going to overcome. If you act on the things that are taught here, you will overcome every time of testing. And you will prosper, you'll be healthy, you'll live to an old age, you'll have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren serving God if you'll act on what you hear. But then people start going through difficult times and they're not happy and I think they thought maybe unconsciously, well, the church said it, you know, everything would be great and it's not great, it must be something wrong. Well, you have to act on the word. You have to act on the word. It's not, it's, it's not just gonna fall on you. <clears throat> like ripe cherries off a tree, you have to act on the word. Amen. There are so many people who get, I didn't realize I'd run over. There's, there's so many people who get, when a, and when a church is going through a time of testing, they look around and they get nervous. I've seen this. I've seen young people, I'm talking about maybe in their 20s, children of, of, of uh, you know, other uh, parents in the church, you know, at a time when the devil was making a play for that, for that younger person. I mean, the devil was throwing everything he could to get that person to lead him out of the things of God, to get him to forsake God, go in the way of the world, raised in church. But you know, the devil makes powerful plays on people, particularly younger people. And I've seen people in their early 20s, I mean, the, you could, the devil is just, you know, 
right at that crucial time, their parents got offended. Their parents got out of the will of God, stopped going to church, got mad. Every, every time I remember, every time I've seen, every single time their kids turned against God. The devil was making a play for them. Well, the devil's made a play. Devil made a play for my kids. He did that. There was a time in, in there was a time in, in young Greg's life where, you know, his mom and I, we had to pray some things out for him. The devil was making a play. But see, I've seen parents right at that time when the enemy was doing this, he then started working on them, got them out, got them offended, got them distracted. They lost their kids. I didn't lose my kids. You didn't lose your kids, did you? Amen. I tell you, these things are way more important than people think they are. And, and I've been around long enough to see the fruit, both sides. Stay where God plants you. I'm not saying that you, you're a blind follower of something that's not right. You know I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you got a good church. You need, there's an old saying in the world, you need to dance with the one who brought you. You ever heard that phrase? Huh? You need to dance with the one that brought you. You need to dance with the one that brought you. Amen. You need to stay where God planted you and, and uh, uh, amen, keep on dancing. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.